Okay, kia ora koutou, uh, listeners out in podcast. Uh, we're back again. It's uh, us here at Is This For Credits? Yes. I'm Peter Jury, joined by Luke McFarlane. And we're lucky today we've got a guest uh, all the way from overseas joining us in. Joining us, uh, kia ora, Hamish Bennett. Kia ora, boat. Kia ora, kia ora korua. Lovely to, lovely to be here. Um, now, Hamish, you've lived the high life playing rugby for Fielding Old Boys Rugby, but these days you're living in Rarotonga and touring the world promoting your latest film. Where did it go wrong for you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it has been all downhill since um, since Fielding Old Boys, mate. I think, um, yeah, I think possibly probably the probably the one area that um, that, I, that that that's been missing is 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 Peter Jury outside me um, in that backline. <laughs> <laughs> just just running that running that direct line outside me that, that's that's what i've been missing mm. i think um you know i think there's a lot of metaphors that could be taken from that mate. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh great to have you here hamish joining us uh if you're out there uh we're recording this sort of early november and hamish's film uproar is sort of just done it's doing its run here in new zealand cinemas and uproar is a coming of age story but a young moldy man sort of set against the historical backdrop of the 1981 Springbok tour. Before we get to that film, right, what, just want to give us an overview of your, sort of your history. Because you grew up up north, far north, then moved around a bit, and then you've wound up making films, and you're teaching for a bit, right? So how did you wind up doing what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that, that's, that has been a kind of a kind of a roundabout thing. Like, I, um, I mean, I... After, after, yeah, I did live up north. I think, um, you know, after going to uni in Palmerston North, I, I became a teacher. Uh, I, I've been teaching for 23 years. Like, I still teach part-time now. Um, I'm here in uh, Rarotonga at the moment. Um, we've been here for the last couple of years with my whanau. I'm still teaching a couple of days a week. But, yeah, like, I think it was actually around around about the time that I stopped playing rugby that I, it was probably about 27, 28, I kind of felt a little bit at a loss Um outside of outside of teaching um i like i love teaching and i get i get a huge amount of value out of it uh but there's probably just that creative side of me that there was there's probably a little bit of a gap there and and i felt like i'd be you know since i wasn't playing rugby anymore it'd be quite nice to have a crack at writing um i'd always been into movies i'd always been into writing and so yeah it just started kind of um you know having a bit of a, a crack at writing short scripts i i i actually my, my first job was um writing for Shortland Street. I, um, I, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote five episodes, five episodes of Shortland Street. And when I say I wrote them, um, basically every episode that, that, that they showed, um, had been completely rewritten. So anything that I, anything I delivered to them, um, they basically just edited, edited really heavily. Um, I like, I, I, I totally get it because I think, um, I mean, one of the one of the reasons why I wasn't wasn't good was because I didn't watch Shortland Street, um, <laughs> and, and I think probably the other thing was, um, you know, like a, I think you know that a whole idea of writing what you know is a, it's a pretty pretty important one when you're early on getting into writing, and I didn't know that world well, but it certainly gave me a taste for it, and so I started writing a, a you know I made a made a short film called The Dump, and and then kind of um, made another one after that, and then it kind of uh, things kind of progressed from there, yeah. Uh, awesome, awesome. Um, so in this podcast, we sort of talk to novelists <coughs> who staff at National Library, um, and it's all, I guess, has that 
landscape of English in schools and teaching and storytelling. But um, you're the first person who's a filmmaker. And there's some obviously differences between novel and film. But what is it about... Because um, it's hell of a lot easier to write a novel than it is down the journey of film where it might or might not happen for a whole lot of variables outside of your control. And sorry, novelists, I know that sounds really dismissive saying, oh, it's really easy to write a novel. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You might have a great script and it just still doesn't go anywhere for a whole lot of reasons outside of your control. So why movies? Yeah, well, like I said, I think, um, you know, like I've, I've always been into movies. Like I think most of the stories that I think of are the stories that you kind of imagine taking place on a screen. And so I think it, I think the, the approach that I have towards creativity kind of lends itself to that kind of medium, I guess. But I also think, you know, like just, just to pull things back for the, um, the novelists out there, um, Peter, I think um, I also think that I probably I, I I don't I feel that my strengths probably lie in telling stories um, through through the medium of film. I, I don't feel I've got the, um, the, the the capabilities to tell a tell a story through a novel very well. I think I, I probably don't have the language for it. Um, I think I think I think my my um, my strengths probably lie in um, you know in, in developing characters and um, and trying to convey things without necessarily doing it through what's going on inside the head through telling the story visually um yeah which is which is a kind of a a kind of a, a, a kind of a cop-out way of saying that um i feel i'm probably not uh capable enough to, to or, or, or strong enough a writer to, to write a novel um yeah so, so i think um i think probably all of those things lined up makes me um, probably more 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 um you know keener uh, better better at writing for film yeah. Get us suited towards film. So those characters of Bruce and, and Ross and Bellbird are similar to your language skills that we're saying. I, I, I do think so, yeah. Like I, I yeah. do I, as much as I, I talk a lot about those guys, like I, I think that that is like I, I am drawn to those people who struggle in some ways to communicate how they're feeling through words. And I think the people that I that I grew up around um, in Northland, I lived in a rural area. I think you know, you know, me and you, Peter. We, we know a lot of people in, in the rugby kind of community who don't necessarily uh, aren't necessarily fantastic with words, aren't able to communicate in that way. But you know, find other ways of doing that, and and like that, that's that's something I'm drawn to because it's the world that I know, and um, I, I that that's 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 something that that's always been appealing to me. Those kinds of characters. So I think, yeah, that that's absolutely a part of. Um, you know the appeal of 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 telling stories um, about people like that. I think I, I remember reading somewhere that directors directors only really tell one story kind of all their lives. It's just kind of um, they're, they're, there's one thing that they kind of end up focusing on. And I do know for me, it's often the the people that I'm most attracted to are the ones who are kind of who sit on the outer sit on the outskirts. Like they they aren't necessarily the people who who get the kudos who who are who are people who kind of gravitate to or, or, or Get a lot of attention but wonderful in their own way um but they're, they're for whatever reason kind of sit, sit they're outliers they're misfits in some way um that other people i guess I've, I've always wanted to celebrate on film yeah easy you're describing luke mcfarland perfectly uh, awkward, right. awkward on the fringe <laughs> poor communicator look <laughs> at <in> these boxes <laughs> oh we'll, we'll chat later luke let's uh let's, <laughs> let's see, if we get a, see if we can get a story out of here um, yeah. I know it's 
I've seen the short film. I remember when you did the dump. And for those who haven't seen it listening, um, spoiler alert, but it's set at a dump. And then um, Bellbird sort of set on a um, dairy farm. Eh? It's sort of just a, a farm, again, not being rude, relatively nondescript, very ordinary sort of, like a dump's a really ordinary New Zealand setting. A farm's a really ordinary New Zealand setting. There's nothing magnificent about those. Mm. But that's probably part of the charm of it, that it's just an, it's so ordinary. Yeah, and like I said, it's humble, but it's a humble beauty, you know? Like I think it's it's finding the beauty in the kind of the ordinary. It's it's That's exactly kind of what I feel you, you kind of, you, you look for. And I think because I've grown up around people like that, um, you you know you, you spend time with people you you, you see the beauty in them and um, again they're, they're the people that I, I kind of um, I gravitate to and that I want to tell stories about yeah was well, a reality there right there, there absolutely is I mean like the dump kind of stemmed out of I had a I had a um, he still actually works there a mate who works at the dump that we filmed at and um, you know he, he's working in a role that doesn't get a lot of um, doesn't come with a lot of bells and whistles he, he's probably working for minimum wage, but he takes a huge amount of pride in his work. And um, you know how they have like Christmas, Christmas at the park in Auckland. Um, he, he would have Christmas in the dump. And so he, he'd invite people around to, to have a have a beer at his place and in his little shipping container at, at the dump. And I remember going there for, for his Christmas in the dump. And um, I just thought, you yeah, know, like I, I, these are the kinds of people I'd like to kind of see. Um, yeah. That's kind of where, that's where the story kind of began, I guess. And it's kind of, you know, my next short film, Ross and Beth, um, which is about a farming couple, and um, Bellbird was kind of a combination of both of those short films. Ross and Beth was based on my childhood neighbours growing up, who, again, were people who, um, you know, they, they aren't, weren't, you know, they're, they're, they're an old farming couple who didn't have a lot of nice things to say to each other, but underneath all of that, kind of that banter, um, you know, there was a deep loyalty and a deep love for each other. And, uh, again, it was, it was, it was kind of, I suppose celebrating people like that and showcasing um, that 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 type of love because uh, you don't necessarily see you know that kind of thing on 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 screen. Um, yeah. So it's an opportunity to do that, I guess. And when I think of, um, I guess, New Zealand film, New Zealand novels, it's easy to gravitate to the big settings, the big places, you know, the beautiful locations. Um, what I like is that it's neither of those things in your films. It's almost the uh, it's almost the opposite of that mm. real grassroots sort of thing, and mm. it's maybe something we don't really see a lot of. We tend to see a very sanitised or quasi romantic look at New Zealand. Yeah, no, no, I, I think I think you're right. Like I think it's um, you know it's like I, again probably just the 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 fact that you know. I, I think it's also it's taking advantage of the strengths of, of this country because I think the idea of telling a story which is full of you know explosions and and, and um, car chases and things like that there's a place for those kinds of stories but it's certainly not the um, the Aotearoa that I know and yeah. it's certainly not the world that I, I'm I'm kind of familiar with and so I think it's it's kind of um, it's taking it's taking you know the world that I know and finding the drama and the inherent beauty in, in the world that I know, as opposed to imposing something which feels unnatural on, on the world that I know. You know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Car chases, explosions, uh, daredevil stunts, that's sort of my background. 
but I acknowledge your point there, Musha. I understand that. No, like I said, there's a there's there's always a place for it, Peter. And I feel like I just feel like I'm not the right person to do it. I feel, <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel this. I feel there's certain people who can, and and I mean, you're obviously one of those people. It's um, yeah. It's uh, I mean, it, it's only a matter of time, eh? Um, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's when is when is that coming out, mate? When is that film? When is, when is that? Um, geez, I've forgotten the name. What was it called? Your oh, one. Which one? Fish and chips. Uh, uh, no, not that one. Uh, the the the. Oh no, we'll, we'll come. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. I'll remember it. Uh, it's been um, caught up in development yeah. hell at the moment. <laughs> Script rewrite. Street, so. <laughs> the networks couldn't see the beauty of it, and I didn't want to sell out. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I wanted. Um, and then spoiler alert: I've um, seen up raw. Sorry, I missed the first 10 minutes because of a meeting at work. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I've seen that role, but you haven't, Luke. No. I hope you don't mind. We'll, we'll no, absolutely. Dive into it. Um, I remember you told me about it when I heard about it, um, and it mentioned the Springbok tour in Strato. I thought, man, that's a really massive part of our history. Mm. Um, but watching it, it was very much the social background rather than focusing on the tour. But mm. what? Um, why did you choose that? But this was adapted, eh? This uh, this film, the the screenplay was adapted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there is there was a, there is a bit of a story to the backdrop of the background of the of the of the film, and it probably makes sense if I kind of just go through that a little bit. The yeah, yeah. I, so it was a story that I, I kind of co-directed. Um, the 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 story began with my co-director Paul Middleditch, uh, with his story um, as a as a you know basically based around kind of um, loosely on on his own. Um, Kind of uh, teenagehood uh, growing up um with you know during the springbok tour he was a kid who struggled to fit in he he, um, he had his battles at school and i think it was just this idea of, of setting a story a coming of age story against the backdrop of something which in many ways was a coming of age for our country um and that that, that was kind of that was the the essence of the story um long story short Gillian dennison um uh expressed interest they they asked him to read for a um what was another role in the film? Um, he expressed interest in being in the lead role, and uh, and obviously with Julian kind of stepping that lead role, a young Māori boy, it, it shifts things significantly, you know. And um, that's that's where I kind of came on board. Um, and so yeah, I was, was looking at the script and seeing, oh, you know, there's a lovely foundation there, but you know, just through the very fact of of placing a young Māori boy um, in in that role in that lead role. With that kind of backdrop because it's such a complex time for for new zealand um the story was going to change significantly so you know ultimately it was a, it was a kind of a full rewrite of the story um maintaining the the essence of 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 what had been um kind of put in place but you know ensuring that you know that that all of those all of those um influences at that time you know that that we did justice to them i think the last thing we wanted to be is it's it's a really tricky balance because you want you want to tell a story that's first and foremost that that is um got a good heart to it and is entertaining but you you know you don't you, you've got this backdrop of a very significant time in our history and you don't want to do you don't want to be flippant about it you know you don't want to um just brush over it lightly um and so it was about ensuring that that backdrop as much as it wasn't the point of the story it was the backdrop that that we acknowledged it and um you know whilst we had kind of our country was split in half um 
you know, through, you know, many, many people obviously were protesting what was happening in, in South Africa. Others felt that politics and sport should be um, separated. But for Māori, I think for many Māori, there was that kind of slight confusion and, and a cruel irony in the fact that many people were protesting what was happening in South Africa, but weren't necessarily as aware of the issues that were being faced by Māori within our own country, you know. And yeah. um, I think that um, that element, whilst you don't ever want that, that element to weigh the story down, you don't want to overburden the story with with the political or the societal kind of side of things, you want to acknowledge it, you know, because it's a, it's, it's a catalyst for our, our, our young fellows' journey, you know. Yeah. I think, too, it seemed to me that there are other layers in that, too. One is um, a Māori boy down south at that time in the 80s. Dineen, mm. and then also at a boys' uh, church school. Yeah, you know, so Maori boy church school in Dunedin in the eighties. Yep. There's a whole lot of other levels going on there. You no, know, the there are, there, there, there really are, and and that that's the thing. I think again, that's the balance you had to strike. It's that, um, you know, certainly like, you know, colonization has affected Māori across across Aotearoa in, in very similar ways, you know, but at the same time, um, the effect, the specific effect it's had on from iwi to iwi, from hapu to hapu is, is different, you know, and so the effect of colonization on, on kaitahu, on ngātahu, um, is a very specific one. And um, and it was really important to, to, to me, to, to us, that um, when, when it came to writing the story, we're not writing just a Māori boy. He's a Māori boy of, of Kaitahu ancestry. And and the story that we're telling is set very, is grounded very firmly in that world. And, you know, so we had a huge amount of support. Um, our, our producer, Angela Cutt, um, uh, no Ngāti Paraoia, she's, um, she, she, she liaised beautifully with um, the mana whenua down in um, Otaka, who, um, who, who, who couldn't have, you know, and, and like, what it comes down to is, is without their support, we had no film. Um, they 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 supported us from at script stage, at casting stage. They, um, you know, the members of of the of the um, of the Apu, um, composed and um, and performed Haka in our film. Um, they were they were they were they were engaged in every aspect, and yeah, yeah without their support, it was um, you know the, the film never would have would have happened. You know? I noted that in that haka they perform in the protests. I can just hear the mitu of the reo there. Um, yeah. Toroka, toroka titaha and, and the kai. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it was a pretty special thing. And, and probably the most emotional screening for me was when we took it down to Otaka, down to Otipoti, and um, shared it with um, with not just um, not just uh, mana whenua, but, but with um, all of the people of Dunedin. But having you know, seeing their, their response and seeing the, the, the pride and, and uh, you know, the, you know, just the, the have, having their, their meta um, up on screen and, and having yeah. it, seeing it, seeing it celebrated was, um, it was a, a very special thing. And, and like, I, I played a small part in, in being involved in that, but take a huge amount of pride in, um, in playing some small part in, in, in allowing that to happen, you know. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. So we uh, you had had huge amount of support from um, uh, Paulette Tamati Elif and and um, and uh, Kormini Cassidy were um, yeah just just huge huge. It's yeah. um, almost like train spotting too for me. There were just other little little moments. Um, one was that reference to Parihaka on the street that the school's on about mm -hmm. how the, 
um, Te Fiti and Rongomai and those prisoners who got taken down there built mm. those streets. Mm. And then there's a shot where on the library, the book there is Ask That Mountain. Mm. So yeah, it's a good way um, of sort of just putting in little, just little, um, not nods, that sounds a bit too flippant, but important aspects of history that maybe we don't hear a lot about. Yeah, and then I think like it is a kind of a train spotting thing for me. Like I, I do, I, I, you know, I love putting those things in there. And, and I, I guess the way I see it is that if you don't pick up on those things, it's, it's, you know, it's okay. You know, you can still enjoy the film. But if you do, then, then it just adds another layer and, 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 a, and a depth to the, the film that, that, um, that, that, that I love to have, you know, that, that is a really important thing to have. And, you know, like all of those aspects, you know, the, um, you know, Marty Hill and, and Dunedin, that, that's kind of where those kind of lines came from. As much as it's a fictional story, a fictional school, um, tapping into those kinds of, um, you know, uh, that history is, is um, super important to me. Um, and I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to kind of do too much in the way of, um, I know you haven't seen it yet, um, Luke, but um, but I will anyway. Um, there was a, there's a scene with a, um, you know, with, with there's a fire, and um, that was a scene again talking about Manafino that that really was was a pretty triggering moment for them. And what what happened? And like I think it was around this around 2007, I think. So it was it was after 1981, but in Dunedin, um, around the same time that Ngātahu were um, uh, were going through the process of making claims towards the tribunal for um, for land loss. Um, uh, to uh, uh, an, an urban marae and I think it was a, an office run by Ngāte who were both burnt down. Um, uh, Otaka marae itself, they, they attempted to burn it. And then I think, um, you know, I think someone someone had graffitied on the buildings, um, you know, enough's enough or something. And um, and, and those people were never never found or, or caught. But like oddly enough, when I when I wrote that part, um, I had no idea. I didn't know about that that aspect. Um, and so, whilst you're trying to insert some things in there, some of those things that have come out, it's it's that truth is stranger than fiction thing. Um, and yeah, they said it was a as a pretty um pretty yeah pretty triggering, pretty moving um, tie, uh, uh, scene for them to kind of uh, experience because yeah, it happened to them, you know. Yeah. I've been thinking, um, Hamish, about trying to connect this text to teachers and to audiences. I think the young people would really enjoy this film and learn a lot. But to me, I also, it immediately made me think of Merita Mita's Patu. Have you seen, do you know Patu, Luke? No. So Merita Mita, um, pioneer Māori filmmaker, but she basically recorded a lot of the Springbok tour protests. Oh, yeah. And then put this footage together into this documentary called Patu. Right, put it on the watch list. And then, yeah, this I just thought if you are a young person watching this film, for example, that then leads you to Patu and leads you into a whole lot of other stories about why that time period was important. And so, as you say, it's a fictional story. And it's kind of a that term social history almost with a bigger backdrop going on, but it's a real window into that sort of time. Oh, it, it absolutely is, man, and, and like um, like that that archival footage that we used um, in the film, the majority of that came from Patu. Um, so so that archival stuff that we've used at, at the Waikato protests, um, that's all that's all Patu. So yeah, that that link is a very close one for us. Um, 
it was a you know it's it a you know very influential in, in terms of you know like I, I watched it a couple of times while I was kind of doing the rewrite um, again I guess it illustrated all of those um, the complexities of their time and and I think one thing that did, did show up and it's one thing that, that's really important to me is that it, it also like you, you don't ever want to like for lack of a better phrase you don't ever want to paint things in black and white terms like everyone had their reasons everyone had their reasons for um feeling how they felt about 1981 and whilst you know um like i, I look at my parents and, and we grew up uh, you know in a rural area where both my parents were against the tour but you know we were surrounded by people who were just about the rugby and but you know, we we've maintained really close relationships with those people. We you know we're still you know very, you know we're still very tight. And I, like I look at my family, and I'm sure you guys would have the same stories. But like I had two uncles and my granddad went to the games. Um, uh, you know, like everyone's got their reasons. And I think even when you look at the police, you know, members, you know, you had had some people protesting, and other people who were um, had their you know had family in the in the red squad, and and it's it's one of those things where you don't ever want to kind of as much as there's there's always going to be people who are completely bad and people who are completely good but i think most of us are made up of bits and pieces of everything and i think trying to convey that and not create or demonize one side or another that's important you know i think because i think for the most part as much as it sounds kind of a little bit airy fairy like i feel that most of us have more in common than, than differences in that so it's trying to, it's trying to, yeah, it's trying to, um, yeah, represent that. Yeah, yeah. I can see why the um, the Shortland Street scripts may have fallen through or been re-edited. You were too too nice to these villains that were supposed to be painted about these awkward love triangles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that, that that's, I think that's that's one of many reasons why I wasn't very good at Shortland Street. I think. Right? <laughs> Maybe they just weren't ready for what you were bringing. <laughs> they were really yeah another one that yeah. came up for me is um i think there's just a line there but it's the older brother in the film and i think he says to that principal or the rector that they're only just a rugby player to them mm. so also mm. there's the time there the 80s the moldy kids at those schools are if you're good at rugby that's the classic adage oh yeah you're accepted at those yeah. schools yeah mm. Mm. If you weren't you were sort of gone by fifth form <laughs> it was always sort of the way yeah yeah um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no it is, it is what it is i remember I, was, I forget who i was chatting with and i've forgotten his name unfortunately but he he's a teacher david you guys have probably know his name he's a teacher in um Otara. Uh, but he does a lot of work creating like he's, he's someone you should probably speak to but he's um he he, he writes books which are aimed aimed primarily at, at, at Instagram Marty. oh yeah hey so no, so one one thing that he was saying like i remember him talking about for for a long time he feels that uh you know Samoan Tonga and pacifica they've kind of just been seen as as um as bodies as as bodies that can be used for sport you know have strengths in those areas but what he wants to do and it's what he's done with his books is he's wanted to um kind of like uh you know showcase the someone doctors the the, the tongan lawyers those kinds of things um i, I think it, it is that, that feeling that you know it, it's very easy to stereotype or, or or kind of um place people in a box and, and i guess when you look at, at uproar our lead character 
whilst you may come from a rugby family, like rugby's of very little interest to him. Um, I, like, I do remember also another thing that that kind of has stuck with me. Taika Waititi said, um, you know, for a long time, Māori have either been portrayed as once were warriors or the blue people in Avatar. And I, I love I love that quote because I feel I feel like it's just that feeling like, you know, just like any other culture or any community, we're all in this very wide spectrum of, of types of people. And in no stage do you ever want to assume something about someone you, you've got to get to know them first and, and that's what that's 101 of teaching eh? you, you, you get to know the person first before you um you know before you start before you start teaching you know that, that the most effective teaching is is from um when you when you have a have that loyalty you have that um that understanding of one another you know? yeah. i think that's what i like about um anything i like about the film is it does yeah it just moves away from those stereotypes um you know the the big tough guy or the 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 profound things and deep things they talk about it's not that film at all even though there are those moments and, and um Bellberg's sort of the same thing it's just like really ordinary people in ordinary settings with subtleness yeah, I, mm. I, I i think that the prof like that's the thing i think the profound stuff happens between the talk like i yeah. think i think the talk the, the talk that generally we're not great at expressing ourselves um i think that's a new zealand trait you know but I, I like the idea of yes, every now and again, and, and like an uproar, there are moments where people do express themselves eloquently. But certainly in Balbur, that was the case. I think you, you, I don't know any farmers who are able to express themselves super fluently and super eloquently. But it doesn't mean that they're any any less intelligent or any or any less emotional than anyone else. You know, it's just the way they communicate, the way they they express themselves, is in different ways. And so that feeling that. The, the, the moments sometimes happen in the silence or the moments sometimes happen between the chats. Um, that, that's, that's, you know, that's life, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't know any Māori who sit around the dinner table talking about the Treaty of Waitangi. It's just a classic dinner time talk, but it's just not the case. <laughs> oh, good morning, What's going on? What happened today? What are we doing tomorrow? You know? Yeah, yep. all of that. All of that, yeah. Um, yes, totally agree. And then I think it's, you know, there's that balance, isn't it? Because you don't ever want to, you know, a film could be incredibly boring if all you talked about is is what you're having for dinner and things like that. But you also don't want to steer it so far into a world where everything they're saying feels like it's it's just the mouthpiece for the director or the mouthpiece for the writer, you know? Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel it's a, it's a cop-out and it's also a... Um, it's just it's an easy out as a writer to Absolutely. just put exactly what they're thinking into their into their mouth i think you've got to you've got to you've got to work harder for it you know because that's it's not real life you know yeah little other thing i liked the soundtrack a couple of classic uh, yeah, bangers right. in there uh yeah. brass and Bob, the pretenders and leo say you make me feel like dancing yeah, and, and honestly, man, um, yeah, stumbling in, stumbling in by um, Susie Quattro. Um, yeah, and actually, one one place that we went to, man, um, one one place that was really really useful when it came to like deciding what would be quite useful is there's a really good Spotify um, Spotify playlist called um, you might have come across it. It's called Maori Maori Shed Party. Yeah, S H E D Maori Shed Party. You know that one. And I think, actually, I think Stumbling In is the first one on that. 
And so it's it's just it just brings back a lot of memories when you start going through. You think, oh yep, there's that, there's that, there's that. Um, yeah, so so a lot of the ideas came from that playlist. <laughs> um, but then but then there's that little little kind of getting a little bit of um, you know, like we've got a mini driver's character who's um, who's kind of more into her, uh, you know, her um, uh, kind of folk singers from England and trying to find a way to work Troy Kingy into playing a, a folk singer, a, a Nick Drake version of, of a song with an acoustic guitar was, that, that was a, that was a bit of a fanboy moment for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's me. I just had, I've been at um, quite a bit of work, shot down the local cinema, so I missed about the first 10 minutes. Um, so I sort of, I feel I missed key things there and didn't see the Troy King in there, but I realized he was playing the father. Well, yeah, Troy, Troy was uh, never in the film other than in photos. Oh, okay. um, but it's another one of those little moments that blink and you miss it kind of thing. So, you know, you, you can, you can <laughs> blink, blink for 10 minutes and, uh, and, and you'll miss it. You know? I think he was actually having a nap. Um, <laughs> if you know, if you know uh, the afternoons are long. This is a really slow start, Hamish. I'm, I'm going to have a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a moist. Yeah. <laughs> I had only seen uh, the trailer pop up on YouTube, to be honest, and I clicked on it and I was like, yeah, this is going to be a mean film. And we've worked a little bit around um, some protest stuff with uh, looking at Mr. G and like how he's been decolonizing these signs and, and working on the pronunciation of uh, names and things for our, our local area. I was like, oh, what, what, what an opportunity to actually get some of our students along to see this, this film, which you've almost just given away all anyway so but um we're gonna head off with just over 200 year 10 so they're about 14 to 15 uh year olds in a week um taken down on the bus on two little screenings man i can see, see just through the chat or petty's poor chat your great chat around a whole lot of different things we can hit around identity and uh just our stories of our past was there ever in your mind when you started putting this together about, okay, I know you said you, you enjoy telling stories, but did you ever foresee like the impact you might have on these younger generations coming through and what you might get them to think about or consider? Yeah, I mean, it's a real good question. Firstly, man, that's awesome that you guys are taking all your kids there. That's, that's really great. And I think I've certainly heard from a number of teachers who either either going to do it next year, um, you know, use it, use it with their own classes or have already gone to it. But um, did I kind of see it? Like I, I don't, I don't know. Um, like I, I think, like I, I probably one thing that I, I try not to do when I'm um, kind of writing a film is is think too much about the effect or the impact that it'll have. I think, I think that you know you can't help but have yourself come out when you're mm. writing or when you're directing. And I think that the fact that I'm, I'm a teacher. I've, I've taught all my life, and and I still see myself more as a teacher than a filmmaker, to be honest. I think you can't help but have that part of you or the things that are important to you kind of come out. And, and so when I look at that film, like, yes, it's, it's about, about Māori, but it's also about people who don't fit in. It's also about, about you know, like I, I look at teachers and look at the, you know, the Reese Darby character and I think, well, you know, it's one thing, I, I feel that the greatest value that you can have or you can add as a teacher is just a desire to get to know a kid Mm. Um, and, and I think it's often overlooked. I think, um, 
you know, content knowledge is one thing, but if you have content knowledge yep. and no understanding of, it, of, of a child, then, then there's no point. There's no point. You're not going to be able to give anything to them, you know? So I think you can, you can get by with, you, you can, you can get through a lot of, of issues if you have a real desire to, to understand someone. Yeah. Um, and that can be any, that can be any teacher of, of from any, any kind of walk of life, you know? And I think that, so those, those parts of, of the way I see teaching, those parts are always going to kind of seep in there. And the idea of, of empathizing with the outside or empathizing with um, the kids who, who don't necessarily find a way in, that, that's, as teachers, that's easy, eh? That, that's something that you always, they're the, they're the kids you always, do, you know, they're the kids you always want to kind of support. And so, yeah, like like I said, like I, as much as I don't necessarily think, okay, this is going to have the impact or, or this is something that I want to have happen, it's just through, you know, through the things that are important to you, those things eventually are just going to come through. I think it's really important because I don't think um, there's any young fella out there or young lady out there uh, who's ever felt entirely secure the whole time. I think a lot of us, well, I think all of us go through a period of time where we second guess ourselves and who we are and, and who we should be or whatever. And we always feel on the outside at some point in time. Um, so I think regardless of who it's targeted at, I, mean, I think everyone feels that way at some point. Just going no, on I mean, your... That's... Sorry. No, you go. It was more no, important I than think me. It's, 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 it, it is absolutely that feeling of, of um, I, I, I do, I would like to think that everyone would be able to find a connection to the story, whether that's through, you know, Josh's um, struggle to find, identify with his Māori tanga or, or with his, his struggle to fit in at school or his desire to perform in a place that is all about sport or all of those things. I think I'd like to think there's, and uh, there's, a, there's a way in for everyone, but you're absolutely right. Every one of us has at some time felt um, felt like we don't quite belong, that we don't quite know where our place is. That's a very, that's a universal feeling, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I was just thinking, uh, you talked about before the importance of these teachers having these strong relationships, regardless of whether you're an um, expert on the, the curriculum. I know that you two went to school together and I was just about to ask which um, of your teachers might have stood out. I know they're probably different experiences for both of you. You're, you seem to be quite onto it. Petty seems to be a bit more of a mischief maker. <laughs> probably not going to say name the same teachers, but are there some teachers that have stood out to you in the past who you like solid? I would always look upon them and re remember them as people who I had a, a distinct connection with. Well, yeah, like, well, first of all, so me, me and Petty went to university together. We didn't go to school together. So that's probably, that, that, that's probably where, um, you know, where Petty's struggles probably um, have, have manifested is, is the fact that he's... <laughs> <laughs> um, right, he's been telling but, people uh, at school that you went to school together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like a claim to fame. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, like I, I do, uh, like, I do know that for me, this sounds really, it sounds kind of a bit naff, but like I was taught by my parents, um, both my parents are teachers. And um, they, so they taught me like in, in secondary school, I went to an area school, which goes kind of goes from year one all the way up to year 13. So I was a tiny, tiny country school. And um, and whilst I had a number of, of great teachers, you, you find lovely stuff in every teacher. I think that's the way I kind of, I approached it. But like, I, I just remember one thing my dad said um, when I started teacher training is that um, he just said a kid's got to know that you've got their back. And that's something that's always stuck with me. Um, a kid's just got to know that, you know, that, that you, 
you understand them, that you care about them, and that whilst they will, let, they'll, they'll, there'll be times they might let you down, and there are times they might be a bit, a, a bit annoyed or frustrated by them. They know that the next day you'll turn up, and it's you, you're going to start again. You, you're not going to yeah. pull the pin on them, you know. And I think um, that feeling of of not, you know, of of not not giving up or or not just kind of thinking that I'm 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 done with this. This is too difficult. That that's that's such an important thing to have. And and whilst it makes, from a teaching point of view, when you have kids who who possibly have have more struggles than others, whilst it might make your year. Um, a hell of a lot more tiring. Um, I, I feel that the the worth and value that you get from having a positive impact there far outweigh any struggles yeah. that you have throughout the year. And, and it's that feeling like, like the, the way I see it is is that you know it's it's a massive privilege to be a teacher. Like it's it's a you know it's it's a responsibility and, and a privilege, and you've got an obligation to give this kid everything. And um, I know that we all at different times feel headed and tired and waiting for the end of the term and things like that. But, you know, it, it's, it's important to remember that, you know, whilst we all work hard, I remember someone saying like, yeah, every, yeah, your teachers do work hard, but everyone works hard. <laughs> and, you know, like, I think it's, it's not as though, you know, we, you know, we, we're lucky. We're lucky. We get to work with kids every day. And, and I think it's that, that thing of, of not feeling that, that we, we're owed anything. Um, mm-hmm. We we're in a position of responsibility and and um, and a position of privilege that we need to take advantage of. You know, um, yeah, that's the last bit. I was going to ask something else around uproar. Yeah, I cracked up. He keeps dropping that line. Eh? Iwi tahi tato. Or iwi tahi tato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, probably another one of those things that not everyone would pick up on. But uh, yeah, the, the um. I mean, it was one of those things like I had to kind of, you know, I had to find equivalents of schools back in the day who who had Whakatauki as their um, as their kind of slogan. And there weren't many, but there were enough for me to think, OK, it's OK for me to put this in here. But Iwi Tahi Tata, it's that idea that, yeah, it's what, it's what Hobson apparently did say um, when, he, when they signed the treaty. But it's that feeling that I think it's it's the it's the appropriation of a whakatauki, which, which at its essence, I think it's, it's, it's not a bad thing, you know, like, I, I think it's a relatively positive thing to be saying that, you know, unity is something that I think you want to search for, but it's using it for your own means when it becomes an issue. And I think you only need to look at groups like Hobson's Pledge uh, to see the way that they are, um, the way that they are uh, kind of, um, you know, uh, the, the way they use that term for their own purposes, I guess, you know. Not, not again. Not, not wanting to get particularly political, but there are all yeah. those little things that you want to kind of, kind of throw oh, in there because um, the things, you know. man, let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right too because even that one phrase how he uses it there, it's the exact opposite of what he's doing, or what that it's, school it's, allows. It's absolutely opposite. It's absolutely opposite. Yeah. Now watching it with, um, I mean. They, it's happened a few times. So watching it with um, watching it down in Dunedin with um, with Mana Fenua, oh man, you're like you could see, you could you could see the, the the fury each time he used that each time he used that line, um, which I guess is the the effect that you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, um, 
Oh, so since the film's come out, it's been, I guess, over here in Aotearoa, it's been out for maybe about four to five weeks now. Hmm. And so what's it meant, meant for you? Like, um, this is your second feature film? Second feature film, yep. Yeah. So, so I guess there's more and more happening here. So what's it meaning for you? Are you going to carry on teaching when you come back here? or? Uh, um, I, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I can't ever imagine not teaching in some form. Um, so we will we'll be moving down to um, uh, down to Motere to um, to uh, um, and I mean it's a it's a beautiful way to kind of get to know a community and become part of a community is to go and teach. Uh, my my boys will be starting a, um, a primary school there, and so I, I've got every intention of going in there. It'll probably only be relieving. I've, I've, I'm a, I'm a bit too busy with um, with other writing and, and film projects to. To, to teach full time, but I, I get I get a huge amount of value out of, like I said before, of, of, of out of teaching, um, and I feel like it's always going to provide me with a balance. Um, writing could become quite an insular thing, you know. You, you get inside your head a lot, and um, whilst that's fun at times, I think it become it can become a little um, unhealthy. And I think teaching is the complete opposite of that. You're constantly outside of your head. You're constantly thinking about the people around you, and um, I think that's a really good place to be, and it's a really lovely balance to, to strike. Yeah. Well, also feed off the energy of those young ones, anyway, as well. Well, feed off the energy, and also just just plagiarize from them, Luke. I think. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I I look at you know you guys will get in secondary school, and it's it's a bit different to, to primary school where I teach, but like every day, eh, stuff stuff people come up with, man. The things that you just can't write, you know, um, yeah. the things that that teaching give you. Um, teaching gives you that, uh, you know, that, that again, I, I don't want to give that kind of stuff up. It's, 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 mm. it's, um, it's, schools are full of life, eh? And, and that, that's, um, yeah, it's, it's a great place to, uh, yeah, to, to be a writer, you know. I think, I think too, Ro, the things I, um, a couple of moments in uproar, I found myself laughing out loud, not because of slapstick sort of humor, but just some of the things were so familiar. Um, so, like for example, some of the teachers, the classmates, the the boy in the class who's overacting, reading the lines, just little things like that. It's those little things, and um, the guy Darby, um, that actor, of, it's probably what I remember of him in other roles as well. That ability to just capture those random things that we take for granted, but the real sort of hard case. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Again, that they are things that you know, like as teachers, we. You know, we see those, we see those kids, we see those teachers, and I think it's just, um, yeah, it's such a rich world to, um, to, for, you know, for lack of a better word, to exploit. You know, yeah, yeah, you, you want to, you want to showcase it. You know, um, I mean, like I, I, I don't, again, most of my, most of my teaching career has been in, in primary school, um, but like no doubt, you know, Papa Moore's got its, its fair share of characters, guys, and um, yeah, I, I yeah, if, you, if you could sit. If you could see it like an, an a action story with explosions in Papamore College, Peter, you're all over there. That'll be great. Oh, He's working on it. One step ahead. Hey, I do think you've got a spin-off option there with that character, Uncle Peter. Uncle Peter, mate. That, that's uh, I, I, I'd forgotten all about it, mate. And then I just realised, man, I just I just took your name and put that in there. Um, oh, yeah, I, I didn't that. even mention to you. That's competent old. <laughs> He's about 98. Kuro Pere, is it? <laughs> 19. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, Uncle Pere. 
Yeah, I think it's it awesome. to stay touch with us on a Tuesday evening <laughs> down here, Papa Mark. <laughs> yeah, no, he was a he was a, he was a character. He, um, I'd actually I, I'd known him from back in my days in Whangarei. He was um, he he would play he would play at the local pub. Like he's just he's a one man band. He had a little kind of a portable kind of amp and his guitar, and um, I, I I didn't I. I he hadn't kind of auditioned for the role or anything, but we had a whole lot of extras who turned up on the day and us, and we thought, oh, we haven't found our uncle Petty. And I kind of went looking through them and said, oh man, there he is. Uh, it was pretty awesome. It was great. Great to catch up with him again. Well, cool name anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. About any other, um, what films or other things in terms of writing you're doing at the moment? Things we should look looking Yeah, got a, got a, Got got a um a couple of different um uh films that I'm I'm kind of writing at the moment, but got a got a TV series. I can't I probably probably can't talk about it right now. But there, there's a TV series that I'm starting to develop, which um in the hospital, which is uh, once on Auckland. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Man? Is it set in the hospital in Auckland somewhere? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's set in the hospital, and in the first episode, there's an explosion, Peter. So I need some support. <laughs> And a car chase, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Nah, so so doing a bit of like I, I do like the idea of, of getting into the TV series um, world because you know it, it's a it's an opportunity to um, I guess you know spend more time with characters, spend more time in the world, and um, not be kind of constrained too much by those kind of ninety minutes or hundred minutes that you have for a film, you know. So yeah, looking forward to to doing that, and um, yeah, but but at the same time, kind of keeping keeping teaching going and keeping that balance there. Hey, always a pleasure, uh, Mush. Hey, well, that was his nickname back in the day, Hamish, um, talking about <laughs> film. I think Uproar's a really cool film, and I think it'll really, yeah, uh, teachers everywhere, they can go a whole lot of different places with it. Hey, students will enjoy it, but I think it opens more, um, or maybe it asks more questions than it answers. Like for our generation, and even including you, Luke, you're quite a bit younger than us. Um, we remember the Springbok tour, oh, yeah. but high school students up to maybe the age of 16, 17, that it wasn't a part of their lives mm. and possibly, possibly not their parents' lives now. So mm. it's probably mm. one of those things we hear about that's actually, we take for granted, but mm. they've probably got no mm. idea there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the yeah. other things that opens up, you know, that reference to Parihaka, the Māori who went down there to Ngaitahu. And how Gaito, um their, their experience where they are on their own funeral and mm, mm. yeah, it's 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 absolutely like and, and it's it's quite um, it's amazing really that that um, well I guess it's probably not surprising with the you know the glut of information that we have kind of at our fingertips now but you know for a lot of um, you know teenagers that there isn't um, much awareness of, of that time and. Um, and and that that's through no fault of their own. I think it's just through um, the nature of, of uh, you know the way life is now. Um, but it was a significant moment. And and like I said, whilst it's a coming of age story for our character, it's a coming of age story. It was a coming of age for our country. Um, it was that kind of that that you know that I guess that awareness for our country that we weren't necessarily this um, uh, you know this this kind of paradise of kind of racial harmony and um yeah. and and yeah. uh that, that we kind of i i guess it had, had been assumed by many people um yeah and so so i think it was uh it was absolutely a, a kind of a, 
a pretty pivotal moment and um yeah to be able to kind of um put it on screen and, and to, to have it as a backdrop to a, to a story was a it's a it was a pretty lovely thing to have you know um pretty pretty um feel pretty uh privileged to be a part of that yeah me other thing in the world of um, new zealand education uh, the cut and thrust world <laughs> um but also now aotearoa new zealand histories is a big um push in what we do in schools and um, the development of it, of it's been really interesting. So, for example, there was um, contentious when the first initial drafts came out because it looked like the history of Aotearoa started when Captain Cook showed up. And so there's a big push about recognising actually there was uh, nearly a thousand years of history before that. Um, and then also, I guess there's a danger of going to the big things. Hey, the, the treaty was signed. Um, we had... Uh, those land was there we had world war ii we had these things so what this film does it actually takes them to another part of our history that's possibly really easily overlooked mm. Mm. and i think probably what one thing that it does do too and one thing as as you guys know is as teachers you're kind of always looking for ways to ways in with your kids uh, mm. you're trying to find ways to connect with them and one thing i guess that, that you're doing with a film like this is that you know you, you're 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 getting across um like like you say a, a, a significant moment in a history but it's kind of buried eh? it's kind of um you 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 hide it you hide it underneath the story you hide it underneath that kind of an entertaining story because um and, and that's that's a pretty lovely way to get across the point you can you're, you're kind of teaching without teaching eh? um yeah that, that's 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 kind of often the best way of getting across the point, you know. So yeah, yeah that, that's appealing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Hey, well, it's probably the end of our chat, uh, Mush. But really, really appreciate your time and joining us all the way from Rarotonga. Yeah. Okay. Talking island life. Uh, number one spot for Ikemata. Uh Yeah, it changes, but I, I would probably say um, the night markets in Muri um there is and i've forgotten their name now but they're the ones who do the um there's a couple of places that do uh, a lot of seafood dishes um both places are amazing um ikamata fresh like it, it's a you got to get that balance eh? it's that balance between the, the tart and the lemony kind of thing with with the cream Aye. too much cream too much cream and it's not spot on and too much lemon and it's a bit hard going so it's getting that balance right eh? um i've basically had all i all i really eat um while i'm when i go out here is, is either ikamata or sashimi because you know we're surrounded by tuna um but yeah that, that, that'd be that'd be my spot that'd, that'd be my spot the um moody night markets yeah thank you and your um pick for the best fish and chips on the island Bush? um well I, I i do oddly enough man i don't eat a lot of fish and chips here um mainly because you know, fish and chips in NZ are so good because it's it's the flaky fish, like it's the um, it's the the white kind of uh, fillet snapper. There's not so much of that here. The the, the best one every you know we get parrotfish here sometimes. Um, parrotfish is really good, but it's only kind of seasonal. For the most part, they'll use tuna for their for their fish and chips, and, and it's just a little bit too um, it's too a uh, dense, a bit too dense for uh, for fish and chips, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's. Like I said, ikamata and sashimi are my um, are my go-to's, you know. And so when you jumped on uh, line tonight, you said you just come back from a paddle. 
Yeah. When I'm thinking paddle, I'm either going surfing or potentially going for a fish. But you're doing a bit of wakama, is it? Yeah, yeah, we do. I do doing a lot of vaka vaka paddling over here. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. I only really started for the last, you know, probably half a year. It's uh, it's it's really popular on the island, you know. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's. I don't know. It's a, you feel quite privileged. Though. You get out there, you know, like two or three times a week, and you go out and looking back at, at the island that we're on, and it's it's you know it's been whale season here, so you know we're, every time you go out, you've got whales breaching nearby you. You know, last week there was whales breaching like thirty meters from the boat. It was pretty pretty amazing. So there's a there's a lot of pretty pretty special kind of moments that come from it. When I when I head back home, I'll definitely be been doing waka, wakama it's um it's something i yeah i, I really enjoy yeah okay. speaking of special moments um villy's burgers you've been to villy's burgers it's special yeah <laughs> uh yeah se several times several times mate yeah. Billy, villy's is villy's is uh is uh yeah it's it's outstanding i mean i yeah probably these villies and these palace they they're your two iconic kind of ones um I, I probably would kind of go with Villies over Palace, but it's probably because I'm I'm closer to Villies. Um, vibe, vibe, uh, vibe. Also, and Moody do a really good um, fish wrap. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is all really useful stuff for um, for, for <laughs> English teachers. Though. I think so. Um, what I would throw into that for all our English teachers out there, and you would attest to this, is the Golden Takeaways fish burger in Palmerston North. Ah. Uh, Something quite special. Two for five dollars. Two yeah, well, yeah. It's gone up. It's two for five fifty these days. But oh, the GT's burger, bigger. that that is a player. That is a player. So so so, golden takeaways are still going. It's still still going strong. Yeah, last time I was there, it's still going pretty strong. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, you yeah. watch Kenobi um, to play in the court yet in the you know in the foyer anymore, but they right. still do the two fish burgers, five dollars fifty. Ah oh, man, that's outstanding. It almost um, tastes like real fish too. <laughs> I I wonder, like, did, did you? I mean, I mean, it's one of those one of those burgers that kind of you have to be three or four deep, really, don't you, to 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 to, to go there? But but I mean, really I, to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but but I'm not saying like it's probably like the only, like it, it may taste it may taste great without that, but I think it's my only experience of it, so I I, I don't know any different. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it complimented the night of the fits and then bootleggers really well. <laughs> those iconic places now, maybe the burgers lost a little bit of its uh, pizzazz. By the by. By the by, yeah. yeah. Mm. No, very hey, good. We could, um, we could talk burgers or not here, Mush, but what we're going to do now <laughs> is uh, it up, and Luke and I are going to, um, we, we sort of then have a discussion about, about um, our chat with you, really. Awesome, really chunky the knife in so <laughs> <laughs> no thanks thanks guys hey, absolutely hey really appreciate it Mush. absolute pleasure and, bro. Um, people out there hope hopefully you've enjoyed listening to hamish and encourage you if you haven't already get along and check out up for um it'll come out i guess to stream or on dvd if they still do dvds probably in a few months mm. <laughs> or jump on one two three movies.com and <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some merch out there. Probably eh? sneaky download. Buy a little T-shirt or a bag. <laughs> I don't, awesome. don't condone that at all, Peter. Don't condone that at all. <laughs> um, awesome, man. Hey, uh, yeah, lo lovely, lovely meeting you, Luke, and, and good catch you up again, Peter. Good, good, right, good, right. Hey, cheers.
Hey, great to talk with Hamish Bennett there. Apologies if it sounded like I was slurring out there. Listeners, Mush was his nickname, Hamish Mush, so that's why I reverted to calling him Mush. Luke, what did you think about um, talking with Hamish there about his film and about what he does? Oh, he's such a nice guy. It sort of made me feel like I need up my game, to be fair. Um, and some sharp ideas about how to integrate a whole lot of everything into some simple, engaging plot lines that are going to capture our interest without clouding everything. You know, like he talked about the fact that he's going to raise his points without thrusting politics into everyone's view or, or whatever, but allowing people the opportunity to form their own opinions and think about it. You know, I think that's about putting things in front of people without blatantly putting it on their lap, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, like um, when I had heard about the film, I thought, oh, it's, it's a, sort of around the, the protest, the mm -hmm. Springbok tour. And it is, but at the same time, that's kind of just the backdrop yeah. to a coming-of-age story. Yet, at the same time, it's a really crucial part, or it's a really influential part of it. Mm. Mm. A driver. Yeah. The other thing, and I sort of brought it up in that um, convo there, is the place, the, the things it raises, I thought were really rich. Yeah. Do you know much about Parihaka? A little bit. So when they raided Parihaka and they took prisoners, they sent a lot of those prisoners, haven't you, about 120, 127 Māori from Parihaka were sent down to prison in Dunedin and they worked on those roads down there. And that's not actually what the film's about, but there are references to it. Mm. And I just sort of, I think that's one thing that stuck with me is, man, in that film, there are just these small references which open up a whole lot of other stories. Yeah. And you talked about wanting to do something with your students around the language of protest. Yes. Do you want to tell us more about that? Because you were talking to Mr. G. Paul Hamish, I thought he was going, oh, who's Mr. G? So I'm not... Yeah, oh, yeah, apologies. <laughs> I think we talked about it in a previous podcast anyway, but just the fact that... Um... I mean, you've got all these street names that are that are out there and there's no real understanding of why they're named that or where mm. that name came from or what that area was called before that name was endowed on that area. Um, I mean, we've got a settlement just south of where we are, Matata, and that was carved up post-World um, War and everything was renamed. And there's some cool articles around decolonising the landscape and just raising awareness of what went on i guess it's just finding those little things uh and texts that allow you to explore great mm. avenues of, of of new zealand or Aotearoa history and in parihaka there's a couple of other texts that connects to one of them is in the film now uh, there's a book i think it was a guy dick scott but it was asked that mountain mm. and it's about taranaki manga but also parihaka and that history there mm. Also, there's another book, um, I think it's called Totohi Tohi, and it's about Māori protests throughout the years, and it goes back to Parihaka and goes back to other protests and comes it right through to the 2000, 2004 foreshore and seabed. Yeah. Um, so it's just, a, it's just another way that that film, and hey, look, I know Hamish, it's not about me here singing his praises, but that film connects, it's another way to connect. One student might get caught up in the protests and the Springbok tour, which is great, but another student could go this whole other, this whole other direction 
and get into their history of um, political um, protest and the impact on for Māori as well. So I just think there's a whole untapped vein there that that film could connect to. It's a, um, a quite a good poem by Barry uh, Metcalf, I think it is, um, Word of Te Piti. Oh, yeah. Which has got some pretty cool uh, moments, powerful moments around what is the price of land and what are we willing to pay for it and um, that whole understanding of there's a time to fight physically and there's a time to fight, I guess, um, in a peaceful manner that's just as powerful or probably even more so powerful. Being able to think about it is that our students have always got something to talk about in regards to how we are running things. Like they always want to have their own voice, their own opinion. And in a way, it's almost a you can allow them the, the means to protest school rules or or um, school expectations or uniform, whatever it is. But I guess that's that's essentially protest is allowing them a voice to express their their opinions and ideas. And if you use that as a way to tap into, oh well, we have these significant uh, moments in time, it sort of aligns both of those quite easily. Yeah, and I think you're onto something there because Aotearoa is full of um, that ability to speak up. You know, you think back to um, Kate Shepard, women's suffrage, first to get the vote. You go back to the antecedents of uh, Te Tiriti, Declaration mm. of Independence before that, which is very different from what colonisation or colonialism looked like in other countries. Um, so we do have this strong history there of actually standing up for what we believe in. You see that in the Springbok tour. You see that um, a couple of years ago um, with those mandate protests. Yeah. You see that with Foreshore and Seabed, 2004, Rainbow Warrior. Yeah. So we are an outspoken people. Yeah, so the nuclear protests. Yeah, nuclear protests. No, no uh, nuclear warships. No the mm. Aotearoa waters. But I think um, you'd like to think that teachers will be proactive in finding their local histories to do with protests mm. you know like if we look at now Potiki and the, the the mangatawa quarry like that's a local story around protest and around well trying to like prevent things from happening and those stories are, are nationwide so you can use the 81 springbok tour maybe hamilton whatever to to dive into it a little bit, but find that as mm. a way to introduce uh, a local yeah. issue. Well, he raises a good point there, and, and, there's a, and it's um, sort of a scene in the film, actually, where um, Māori are part of this protest against the tour, but a lot, lot of the protesters aren't recognising that Māori had, had similarities mm. with... Um, in terms of being uh, treated unfairly. Mm. And and that was seen. So in the scene in the film, I won't give a spoiler. Well, I'll give you a spoiler. It's all been spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a character who's wanting to get people chanting the South African chant. Mm. This Māori woman there asked them, well, what does it mean what you're saying? And no idea. Oh, really? No idea. No idea what she's saying. It's just a cool thing to do. So it's just... Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, it's a real good opportunity to localise for all of our teachers, all of our students out there, what happens where I'm from. Heard this um, 
Last year, maybe the year before, there was that doco. I think it was called No Māori Allowed. Pukikohe? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a book. Yeah. Also. A book and then a doco, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was about um, treatment of Māori and Pukikohe up to, I think, about the 40s, 50s? No, nah, later. Later. Really? Yeah, it was ongoing through the 60s. I've been reading it at home. And I'll be honest, it's it's a shit read in the fact that it makes you feel shit. Mm. Like it's a good read. It's well researched and it tells a genuine story, but it man, it makes me feel shit about myself. Uh well for yes. Some horrible things going on. <laughs> no. And go, you yeah. might have to scrap that a little bit. But <laughs> it's horrific how people were treated, particularly Maori within Pukakoi and the area. And it was ongoing, it was generational from mm. uh the confiscation of land in the New Zealand land wars through to uh how, how people were allowed to swim in the public baths mm. in the 1960s so uh it's a tough read but it does you're right it, there's stories like that throughout Aotearoa yeah what's interesting and uproar too is it's set in um Dunedin and, and the the um the details of the rugby tour probably aren't relevant mm. but mm. when you think of that tour and again I was um I don't know how old I was, young, but what I know about it. Were you since, born? Bro, I was born. Yeah, I, was, I don't think you were born. It was uh, 1981. No, I was born. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was up around. Were you looked, walking? I looked about 15, 16. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, when you think about that tour, there are iconic places that stand out. I think Waikato was one of them. Waikato was. Yeah. Um, there was Eden Park where someone got yep. one of the Gary Knight, I think, got a flower bomb. Flower bomb. And Waikato, and I think maybe Gisborne, where the, the fighting was really big. And they had the, um, someone had put razors in the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, now, that's not to diminish also what happened in Dunedin. Yeah. But when you think about that tour, you'd possibly gravitate to those big moments. Mm. Mm. Dunedin was also part of that tour, but it wasn't necessarily one of the big iconic moments of that tour. And I think that's what I really like about this film and what Hamish does with his other work is it takes you to the parts of our history and the and those places that maybe aren't actually the big ones on the map. I think you're subtle right. moments. I, I mean I haven't seen up raw I'm holding out until we take this school group through. But uh with Bellbird fifteen minutes the... is a bit slow. <laughs> 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 sorry Hamish. Fifteen no look look I missed them but Sorry, and, I cut you off. No, you're all right. And then in the uh, in the other film, um, it's the periphery characters mm. that actually tell a lot about what's going on, without them actually telling the story. It's through observation and just watching how the main or the key protagonists interact with these characters. So Bellbird, you got a young fella who um, doesn't quite have this uh, father figure. Uh, he's looking for something. Um, Mum really just wants to keep him busy and get him under her feet. And yeah. he's out there uh, getting watercress in the paddock. But like his story is pretty key to the to the whole film. But he doesn't play much of a role. And I think that's similar to what he was saying about uproar and also the fact that he wasn't trying to push one character's perspective or perception. Mm. Everyone had a reason for what they were doing. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to tie into young people in the classroom. Don't just focus on that one character. Have a look at everyone else that was sort of around them because they may be telling more of the story than that key protagonist. 
there's even um again it it connects in in the film it goes back to foreskin's lament oh yes and again it's just another another way it opens up i just imagine when you take those year 10 students mm -hmm. you've gone to this film see this film starring junior denison is what they know and it's uh, set yep. in our history but it's just connected into different things mm -hmm. from there all right foreskin's lament what's that about why is that why is that such a thing and then it takes you down that way so I just think, it, like I mentioned to Hamish, I think it just asks a lot of questions and opens up a lot of doors. Mm. Quality, very clever. You've seen Bellbird. Mm. Um, you're talking about Bellbird. What are those other things you think there that, like, like you talked about, there's something about just the everyday, not yeah. shamelessly, man, I love a car chase and I love an explosion. I'll watch that all day. Yeah. Reason I love Bruce Lee films, yeah. Um, but there's something about just that charm of reality. Yeah, I think with um, like with Bellbird, I wouldn't show it to a, a school group. Mm. Um, maybe year thirteen, but it's actually the way it's paced and the the camera work in which it focuses on in regards to its backdrops. It actually is not about the backdrop so much as about allowing the the viewer an opportunity to just reflect on what's happened or what is about to happen and also their interaction with both um and so look i'll put it out there i'm a bit of a sook and there's some tough times going on in this film re regarding relationships between father son and a loss of someone and it broke me like uh, there's a moment to sort of it's a bit much um but i think it's it's yes it is showcasing these small parts of new zealand without the, the bells and whistles as he points out but I think those are those allow us more of an opportunity to reflect on how we're feeling and what we're thinking during those times without being um, tricked by smoke grenades. Mm. So how can we? So if we try and connect this to our teachers out there, mm. and I talked a bit about Aotearoa New Zealand histories there, but mm. which I think is all right. So if we think about our English teachers, and in our other um, episodes we've talked about just that effort to engage. Yeah. I think there's something that would sound like a cliche, a walking cliche, but my take on uproar is it's pretty universal. And that's what he spoke to as well. Um, so I think there'll be some appeal there. Mm. And I think for me, I just think there's something beyond that that's a window into our history. Yep. Um, yeah, what do you think? How can our teachers use that? Well, you're looking at it as a um, point in time, perhaps, or a, a monumental uh nationwide issue mm. um, for me it can be something as simple as man there's this young fella doesn't quite fit in um and maybe you start with a discussion about like well who's had a moment in time where you weren't feeling entirely accepted where you were oh we'll put up your hand if there's another moment in time you were okay so what's the difference between those two situations what changed was it you and your approach to it or was it the environment Mm. And I guess it's like tap into uh, our young people and, and where they're positioned day to day and then go, oh, well, there's this main character who, you know, he, he doesn't quite understand who he is and where he is in time. Um, he's got a yearning to learn. He's got some challenges to overcome. Oh, well, let's give us a nudge. I think, too, there's a good commentary. Um, and I don't know if it's, it's actually accurate now times have changed or maybe i just don't see it 
but also about what's valued. Mm-hmm. So there's this character, Julian Dennison, but his older brother was a rugby star at the school, mm-hmm. comes back in a coaching role. But um, he alludes to the fact he was only valued because he played rugby. And you hear that a lot, you know, mm-hmm. like um, I know a lot of schools, 80s, 90s. Um, it's still going on. Yeah, where, where Māori would be accepted mm-hmm. and celebrated. Um because they're in the rugby team or, or yep. whatever, yet there are a number of Maori who don't do that and then they don't enjoy that celebration of, of who they are, I guess. Well, not really acknowledged, are they? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's probably not just unique to Maori. Yeah. Um, particularly in, hey, look, we spend a lot of time in a boys' school. Love it. Love it in the yep. boys' schools. Yeah. They do some great things. Yeah. But there is that element there where if you don't certainly fit a certain type of mould, yeah, you, you don't fit in, you get moved on. Mm. Mm. Is that still a thing? Well, I hope not, but uh, my my gut feeling is it is. I think, like, is uh, it unique? One sounds, of like, the, sounds like I'm hating on boys' schools. Is that unique to a boys' school? No, no. I think or does that, every school have its clicks iteration of that? You know. Well, Hamish's focus. You know, I, I I can't speak for him, but in my observation, he's going. He's focusing on those people who are at the outer edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's those people that exist everywhere regardless we're in these this constant state of figuring out where we are and where we sit but he's also looking at in bellbird there's a father-son relationship and both don't know how to communicate so we're an intergenerational sort of we don't quite know how to be honest with each other it's all that whole harden up philosophy i think we will retain that until it just slowly grows out of us and that culture yeah that rugby culture which we've both been a part of massive players you are probably more successful than me but that culture sits there right like in my head i was but you... the is probably not <laughs> probably not mm. feel free to write us some fan mail uh Teddy's coaches <laughs> but that whole oh well, you're a rugby player harden up don't be a pussy um we don't talk about our feelings it's post-war it's continued mm-hmm. it's not until we i don't know grow out of it i suppose a little bit that that will continue what do you reckon well that's all i'm sure i've heard that a lot and that's and i'm not trying to be defensive here yeah having enjoyed those fruits <laughs> but um you can give me a, can you give me an example though did of your dad hug you no um my dad no yeah there's a point taken. Sure, but um, again, not wanting to sound defensive here, mm. but can you tell me a culture or a nationality that do it differently? Nah, well, I, I, you know, I can't speak for other cultures. Hey, we say that. I've only experienced this one. Yeah, but what, yeah. what have we yeah. seen? Like, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and you mentioned yep. post war yep. and a lot of soldiers coming back and then things, and that definitely changed things. We know yep. that. Yeah. But is, is that a universal experience for? Particularly males, mm, yeah, maybe. Um, or, or is there some? Is there a culture or nationality out there who they they react differently? Yeah, you're right. I don't know this, but I went to a football match in Argentina, mm. and and the passion when they win and and, and the, the hugging and the embracing is it's awesome. You know, it's wow, yeah, far yeah, out, yeah, and yeah, yeah, they give each other a kiss on the cheek because their team scored a goal. It's, mm. it's crazy, which you don't really see. No. And um, and there's often talk about how 
New Zealand sports audiences, crowds, live crowds, are relatively subdued. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so maybe that's um, like as we, like I know that we talk about these things more than my father ever would have. Mm -hmm. And so I think as society continually changes and new norms are created, I think that's when. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I, I do know, I read a quote once where, not a quote, it was an anecdote, and it had to do with the Rwandan genocides, early 90s. Yes. And they talked about, look, afterwards they sent in the United Nations, sent in a whole lot of um, trauma, mm. trauma response people to work with these, particularly children who'd gone through all these uh, these terrible ordeals, you know, families destroyed and and the rest of it, really nasty stuff. And one of the comments was, oh, they shut us in a room and wanted us to talk about all the sad things we'd experienced. Yeah, right. And somewhere in there, I can't remember there's that quote, sorry, I'm probably not doing it justice, but then they talk about how their way, they get out there, they dance, and they all come together and they dance. And so I guess it's that um, so different cultures have means of addressing how you address it. Yeah, that's why I'm, again on. I'm not dismissing what you've raised, but hugging and talking about our feelings. Yep, we we know that we know New Zealand males particularly don't do that well. Yeah, yeah. But is that necessarily the right way? The right way. Yeah, probably, and, probably um, not. You know, it's one way. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Have you heard of Farmstrong? Yes. What is it? Well. It's a, opportunity for well a group that allows farmers to get together and actually well they don't sit around with a box of tissues but they certainly talk about the the troubles that mm. that lie with farmers on a farm because they, right. it's farming such an insular career yeah and allows them an opportunity to express it it's kind of like surfing for farmers yeah, yeah, well, I think right? was, yeah that's exactly that and i think it was recognized that um, you had these incidents of the pressures of running a farm, yeah, and all number of pressures there, and in an unsteady and steady economy, yeah, and climate. Whole prices drop. That's yeah, thing. that's right. And and you had farmers who would really struggle. Yeah. So the idea was that was a identifying that and realizing, hey, we've got to do some more and look after people there, which I think sort of um, it highlights that there's something going on there to recognize that those are issues mm. there mm. and hey look uh, talking to someone that might be a way to help yeah but also as could be going surfing yeah. as could be a whole lot of other things yeah interesting eh? we've gone deep on this chat we have um but possibly they're all things that come off a story like this yeah and i know you haven't seen it but really it's about an outsider mm. doesn't feel they belong mm. Probably finding their voice a bit, but finding their finding their feet and who they are. So interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so again, I'll, I'll try and pull this back to teachers. Yes. Um, there's a really clear way, I think. And you always hope. Oh, do I just think this because I'm older? Mm. You know, if you're 14 years old, will you enjoy this film? Will you connect or relate to the film? Itself? Well, I hope so. We're about to take a whole lot of teens along. 200 plus. It's a lot of popcorn. Well, it's a lot of um, yeah noise if it ain't going on. <laughs> well, uh, when I saw it, I think it'll be a really enjoyable film. Mm -hmm. 
I think they'll find it funny. Yeah. But I make the point it's not a slapstick film. There are things I found funny that maybe they won't find funny. The subtlety. The subtlety. Yeah. Maybe the the recognition of ourselves a bit in there. Yes. Yes. Um, and that might get missed on a younger audience. Is there enough self-awareness with a 14, 15-year-old to laugh at themselves or the situation? Um, potentially. 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 I mean, the the awkward teachers are awkward teachers, and we've all been awkward at some stage. I can tell you enough, to do that. Yeah, there's enough awkward. That's my badge. Teach those characters. <laughs> like the principal, Chris Hamster's comment, hey, he's not supposed to be a villain. He's just someone doing his job. But yeah. You'll recognise those things in the Yeah, yeah. The um, obsession with how the sports team's gone on. Mm. Everyone will recognise that. Um, the li- yeah, things like the librarian at school and also those things I think are maybe universal and I, th- I hope the students will appreciate it and, yeah. and maybe find something there that connects with them One thing you've done obviously we, we put this trip together uh, like I, I really want to push it at level one next year with the new standards but as a bit of an intro um, create something post trip um, to engage these year tens for another another week, right? Because they're about to go on year ten camps. They've just done their assessments. We'll go on a trip. What's some engaging learning that we can get done before they finish the year, right? So my initial idea was to target that protest concept, but the more I talked to Hamish, was more about like, well, the protest sits there and it's a massive driver, but it's not the key key story that's being told. Mm. And so now I'm going to have to think a little bit on the fly. From you, your perspective, you've seen it, um, and you've already given out most of it to me uh, and to our listeners. Mm. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, where should I be heading for developing a bit of a unit in regards to this um, Bill Dunn's Roman? I've just learned that word, so I'll put it in What there. is it? What did you say? I might be pronouncing it wrong. Bill Dunn's Roman? Bill Dunn's Roman? I've never heard of it. What's yeah. that? Yeah, no, it's an interesting word. Um, so it's about it's, it's coming of age. Bill Dunn's Roman. Is it? I've never heard that. How sure. do you spell it? I'm going to look it up right now. How do you spell it? Bill oh, Dunn's Roman. You spell it to me, and I'll tell you if you're correct. Well, I've never heard it before, I'm imagining. B-I-L-D-U-N-G-S-R-O-M-A-N. Bill Dunn's Roman. Bill Dunn's Roman? There we go. Bill A Dunn's novel Roman. dealing I've with one person's before. formative years or spiritual education. So first of all, I got it wrong. It's to do with a novel. But... I think it's tells... Roman. What language is that? Language of origin? Uh, yeah. What's the language of origin? Yes. The term comes from the German words Bildung and Roman. Do you want me to look it up? Well, I'll just read it there. We're on the fly here. Wikipedia. We're on the fly. Do you know what Spielberg um, means? They focus on the psychological and moral growth of the protagonist from childhood to adulthood. Bildung's Roman. Mate, if you get your class Education for me. If you get all those 200 year 10s saying, hey, we're going to watch some buildings, Roman, and they start dropping that into chat, mate, you'll have achieved a lot. I think we'll have a very high pass rate in the literacy <laughs> CAA. <laughs> a classic of buildings, Roman story. <laughs> Uproar is about. Look out, <laughs> look out external markers. It's 2024 because Papa Mott College yep. is climbing the ranks. Buildings, Roman. We studied buildings, Roman, this year. <laughs> Impressive, Luke. I've learned something today. Well, yeah, I, I was taught it recently. So there we go. Buildings, Roman. Yeah. Um, now, where were we going before you dropped the grenade that is Buildings Roman in there? You asked me something. 
can't remember what it was. Neither. Ango might have to do some editing. <laughs> no, no, because Buildings Roman is some, a real takeaway. You asked, um, you asked something crucial there. I was going to say, I think you asked what some takeaways or something there, or what will students go to? I think there's a number of things they'll go to. Where, where I went to was, I think, um, and we may have talked about this before, that language of protest. Mm. And some texts for me, Patu by Meta that we discussed. Yeah. It's a documentary, and there's no commentary. It's purely just collated footage of the protest. Yeah. We um, might have find that. Sorry to interrupt, but we might have find that. Try NZ on screen. NZ on screen will probably have it. Meta Meta. Okay. Um, yeah. And so Patu. And then there's also a book. I'm pretty sure it's called Totohe Tohe. And one of the, there's a number of authors there, one of whom is Matariki Williams. And that's about the history of Māori protest. And then also in the film is this book, Ask That Mountain. It's about Taranaki. Um, so that's sort of where I went, is that the film opens you up on this history of Māori protest, really. But I guess there are a whole lot of other things. You could look at... Um, I mean, that could take you into the French, the nuclear, Rainbow Warrior, um, Mururua Atoll, Josh Cronfield, Headgear, Herbs, French Letter. Another great text, you know that song? Yes. Uh, French Letter by Herbs, classic 80s. Like, there's a whole lot of things that come off that. And maybe that's the way you tap into it. Because how many songs are out there that deal with injustice? Uh, heaps, 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 whole um, heap. Kids love music. And the other thing I thought, probably of the setting, like particularly Dunedin, just the way it's portrayed, um, UB40. Yes. Now, UB40 aren't renowned for their protest songs, but the history of how that band came together. Do mm. you know what it, their name comes from? No. So UB40 was the um, paperwork you had to fill out to get the doll in Britain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so these guys had met through various things, but the, the thing that bound them is they were all oh, on, doll. on the doll. <laughs> and it was that time, I think it was Margaret Thatcher's Britain, early 80s. Yeah, yeah. I think the coal industry had bottomed out. Yeah. Things are tough. And so UB40, even though their music is is not protest songs, um, the history of that band is really mm -hmm. important. UB40. Oh, we get sort of tune and that influences Herbs. Yeah. And Herbs, French letter, a lot of their music is about um, protesting French bombing in, in the Pacific. Um, but also there's some of their other songs, Dragons and Demons, mm -hmm. um, Azania. So again, that, that film indirectly it can take us down a whole way. You could do a whole lot around music. Sorry, that was the question you asked. What could we do for units after this? Yes. So you could oh, do yeah. New Zealand music or music in general. Mm. that's protest that's maybe coming out of that era well he had the nail on the head with uh troy kingy mm. like troy kingy like his entire work um you could tap into his kids but he's certainly got some pretty strong views expressed through his music around uh the colonization of aotearoa anyway and also there's another side story he's got run, got a great island series where he goes around to exploring different islands yes. around aotearoa Yes, which, comes to the and I'm a massive fan. Um, there's another one I just sort of there, and it's um, oh, man, I should have just we talked about Troy Kingy. 
there's another song that comes up with, oh, uh, around reggae protest mm-hmm. comes up. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, oh, man, I lost it there. <laughs> I lost it there. But, but I guess I'm just trying to connect other texts. Yes. There's a film, Mount Zion. Yes, there is. Mount Zion, and Mount yep. Zion, the backdrop of that is around Bob Marley coming here. Mm. So you look at the music of Bob Marley, you look mm-hmm. at the impact of mm-hmm. reggae music in New Zealand. Highest um, consumer of reggae outside of Jamaica is New Zealand. Really? Yeah. Do you Jamaica? By mile. Nope. Fact. You can you can fact check me on that. Fact check. Yeah. I won't because it could be disappointing. Oh well, um, look, I'm close to it. It's thereabouts, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's a thing. Fun fact for you and our listeners: In the '80s, the highest uh, ever New Zealand crowd at a concert occurred at which concert? Which Western artist? Springs. Yep. Who's the 80s 80s possibly 81 83 not sure but who was the artist i'll give you the names um bob marley yeah david bowie yes uh michael jackson so one of those three largest concert of all time largest recorded new zealand crowd well i'll go with the first one because we're talking about reggae that's what you'd think no it was david bowie really david bowie yeah yeah, yeah. Not a massive fan. Not a, no, um, no, not neither really. am I. Not, not no. into the whole Ziggy Stardust things, but he had a later yeah. period where he sort of got really funky. Yeah. And he had songs like um, Golden Years, Let's Dance. Oh, they're, they're horrific. Oh, man, they, they're quality. And why they're quality <laughs> is he's got this Golden guy. Um, years. But it's the guy on guitar who makes it. <laughs> yeah, under pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah, see yeah. that. I don't know about the song. It's nice. more just the guy with oh. the vibe. Well, um, there's some quality, particularly hip hop and rap samples taken from those ones. Okay. So it's more about those than the actual original. Yeah. All goes back to Rome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's all Bill Rings Rome. <laughs> it's all Bill Dung Rome. Or Bill Dung Roman. <laughs> um, so where was I going there? Yeah, look, I, I think in terms of units, man, you could do a whole thing of music. Yeah. You could do a whole thing of protests in Aotearoa. Uh, I always remember my old, one of my old high schools, uh, back in the 70s, um, someone spray painted on the roof and they put a banner up there because they were, these boys were told to cut their hair. Mm-hmm. And this is the 70s when boys started growing long hair. And one of the banners, is, there was a big photo of it, it was pretty famous. And it said, Jesus had long hair too. Oh. And from the year they... That's pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. But then I guess it raises the idea, well, hang on, who's Jesus? Yeah. Who's Jesus? Hey. Are you putting yourself on a pedestal? Well, and you if you uh read the the classic version of Jesus, <laughs> hey, blonde hair, blue eyes. Hang on, how does that come out of the Middle East? <laughs> <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Um, yeah, so a whole lot of different ways you could go with uproar. I've talked about the Taranaki thing. Um, we haven't tapped into potentially our purpose, uh, Mataranga Māori. No, but I guess... We've talked about local stories. I've talked about local stories, but I think um, it's possibly what it is for me as a viewer of that film. Yes. I think I appreciated that not everything is about these big, profound moments or these big, heavy Everyone's story is important. Yeah, everyone's story is important. And 
I think that's what I really liked about it is this is it just seemed again it would sound dismissive but very ordinary very mm. everyday. That was definitely Bellbird as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's the I might have used this phrase already, but it's that might be the charm of how Hamish is approaching things, is that it's very ordinary, very everyday. Mm. This isn't a film about the person who protested against this. Mm. Uh, there's a great film I saw a couple of years ago about Fina Cooper. Yep. You see that? No, I haven't yet. Uh, great, great film, great account of that woman. Uh, really impressive. Marawahine. And it's about her and mm. that she's a pivotal figure in our history. Great film, great story, absolutely total that. Mm. This is fictional, mm. but it's also not about mm. anyone. It's about an ordinary person um, and probably a universal theme. So I think that's what I really like. I'm looking forward to now watching this and Patu, uh, just because I had a quick yarn with a colleague straight after school today. I didn't realise this, but yesterday's father yeah matua what, john who's our komato at our college or one of the komato at our college was a was a key figure here in some of these movements and yeah. more so just because of the uh the enjoyment factor and the action at times rather yeah. than the political movement yeah well what he did and this group did was he was part of the group who took the Māori language petition to the, to the parliament. parliament. Yeah. And I think might have been 75, mm. 76. So, yeah, he was in there. There's some great photos of it. He's got a classic uh, nice afro going on there. But um, but he was there. So, again, that's another um, pivotal part of our history. But also one that's maybe overlooked or just not given the time. Well, for us directly, it ties into where our, our mana whenua and... Absolutely. There's another one uh, I should mention too. Because mm -hmm. again, I think what we're taking from this chat for me is that we're just connecting a whole lot of other texts. But there was a theatre production which some of our students went to see called The Haka Party Incident. Did yeah. you hear about that? Yeah. Do you know what that's about? No, but I've heard about it. What have you heard about it? The kids enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they didn't really explain much about it. Okay. So that's based on a part of a history where um, the Auckland University Engineering School. At the end of every year, they'd have this big piss up. Oh, they'd yeah. put on these grass skirts, chuck yes, grease over their enough. face, yeah. roll around saying ooga booga. Mm. Really offensive. Um, and basically what happened was they'd do it every year, Auckland University, and Typical. then this group called Ngā Tamatoa, who were Māori, and particularly I remember Hilda and Hone Harawera were in there. Yep. I remember. Sounds like I was there. I remember it. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't remember it. I, I, know, I know about it. I've I didn't realise you had an engineering degree. Yeah, right. You're 75. <laughs> I was there. I was hanging around the Union 75. <laughs> um, but but basically, they were there. Some others, Atiro's uh, mother and father, I think, and there were other prominent names now who were there. And basically, they went to these students and told them to stop. Mm. Um, they didn't stop, kept doing what were basically real crude um, piss takes of the haka and of Maori culture. And so basically, these Maori went again in hiding. Oh, I don't, I don't think you meant that. I think you meant they encouraged them strongly to, no, no, to no. stop doing so. Give them a good hiding. <laughs> Get the shit out of them. Um, and and then, but what's interesting was then the headlines after it too were really um, were really telling because you a gang attacks Auckland University yeah. students and it painted a different picture and there were yeah. clear victims there. Oh, mm. And, and even the attitude that um, 
oh, it was just fun. We're just having fun. Yeah. But what happened was that never happened again. So that Auckland Hucker party, I think they used to call it, that never happened again mm-hmm. because of that incident. And that was Ngā Tamatoa. And I think Ngā Tamatoa were that group that... That was the same group that went down to Parliament. That went down to Parliament. Yeah. yeah. And that group was young, a very young Rauri Paratini. Oh, yeah. Rauri Paratini. Yeah. Used to host a play school back in the day. Prominent oh, yeah. actor. <laughs> yeah. He played the Koro and Whale Rider. Yeah. And a number of other uh, Māori now who, who are well known. But again, that's another really important part of our history. Um, yeah, and I guess it's a part, it's something you may not look at. Like it's not, I guess it's not the big, it's not the signing of the Treaty of Waitangi. Mm, it's mm. not these big, huge moments. It's the subtle bits in between. These little minor moments that mean yeah. a lot. So you were able to remember a lot, a lot of this. and, and I feel like Forrest Gump, I was kind of there. And... Yeah, perfect, <laughs> right? But you have an understanding of this. If I'm a teacher in oh Mercury Bay, Mm-hmm. Area school. Yep. And I want to tap into some of this. What's the best way you reckon to develop my understanding of of what's gone on locally, perhaps, or or how to great or make greater connections to the yeah, interesting. Text? I think that the first thing is what's really important is knowing where you are. So I do think um, it's one thing at our school we've worked hard to do mm. is make when you hear that term localized curriculum that for us. So if you're listening up there, we're in Papa Moore, and we're very close to Tauranga, but we're not in Tauranga. So our history in Papa Moore is definitely connected to Tauranga, but at the same time, it's not there. Yeah. And a really good example of that is Pukehinehina, mm-hmm. uh, the Battle of Gate Pa, which really important, really significant uh, moment in history, particularly of the region we're in. But I think when you look at it through a localised lens, it's understanding for mana whenua, for ngā pōtiki, uh, where we are, what did that actually look like for them? Mm. And I think it would be too easy to grab that as, oh, we'll do that, and, yeah. and the British attacked here, and Māori did this, and um, and you mm. go that way. Mm. But mm. actually what that can do, if, if not done properly, it can actually not localise, it doesn't localise you. Yeah, it's not at all. It's, yeah, it doesn't localise you. shifting the focus. Yeah, and you're kind of grabbing a generic or a pan Māori moment. Mm. Uh, if we talk about and, and most schools do it, and, and I think rightly so. For example, if you do, um, okay, term one every year, we're doing Tetiriti. We do a unit on yeah. a treaty. Man, really significant national event. So get it. But at the same time, if we constantly look at Mātauranga Māori as a generic Aotearoa mm, mm. uh, wide experience, we probably miss those chances to be really rich, localised. What does it look like here? We mentioned Pukekohe before. Yes. So you think for Māori who lived there, mm. what was that experience growing up like for them? Um, probably very different from, yeah, from yeah, elsewhere. Yeah. So you're looking at what is what was the purpose of that particular event in time? So let's say it's the yeah the treaty. What was its purpose? Okay, it was there, but what did that look like at yeah, that what, time locally? That's right. So or if you what were the yeah. transgressions from that locally? yeah that's right. And I think if you go to Waitangi. Yes. For example, and you would hear those stories of Honeheke and Kawati and the, the actual signing and, and Hobson who was there and the issue of the Williamses who were translating it the night before and all those stories yep. that happened right in that spot. Yes. If you then think about um, Alfano in 
Taupo yes. and Rotorua, Tiarua, that Rotorua, region there, yeah. Tufari Tor, yeah. where they didn't sign. Yes. And so their experience around Tititi is very different from yes. a Gapui one set up north. Mm. And everywhere will be like that. So I think, um, I hope I'm answering your question, but if, no, you, you're right. if you localize it, it's richer, not to say one's better than the other, but it's richer learning for students who are there. Yeah, and, and that's possibly why the teacher teachers can really get in there because it's was well, that launch point, right? It's that launch point, absolutely. Hey, this is happening in this film. Hey, well, actually, during yeah. this time, this was actually happening here. That's right. Or just before this came in, this is what we were dealing with. Yeah, that's right. So if we think of uh, Gizzy, yes, Alfano at um, Campion College and then Lytton High School over there, Gizzy Boys and Gizzy Girls. Boys. Um, if we think of that. The Springboks, I think, went to Gisborne. I can't remember the outcome of the game or if the game was held, possibly. Mm -hmm. But if you think about they watched this film, and then what did that mean for Gizzy? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that Poverty Bay game was possibly abandoned. But yeah, I guess that's something. If you really localise, not just Māori, not just New Zealand, yeah, you can, you can get down. So I think that's a really good starting point. So you mentioned Mercury Bay, for example. Yeah. So for Mercury Bay, on that teacher who's just moved there to Mercury Bay, yeah. What's a starting point for me? It's probably around Ngati Hay, mm. and what's the um, what's the history of Ngati Hay there? Yeah. Then also up in that area, you've got these really interesting pockets of Ngati Poro there. Yeah. And I think you've got Ngati Pukinga there. Yeah. And then you've also got um, Ngati Maru. Ngati Maru. Yeah. You've got uh, I think um, Parihauraki, mm. which is that that yes. regional. Yes. Goes right down to yeah, the hapu there. So you've got things that you've got, and each of those have got really interesting stories. Yeah, yeah. Um, that go recently in Tauranga Mona, for example, you've had a real um, push. Yeah, a real conflict around yes. Parihauraki and Tauranga Mona there. So straight away, there's some really interesting stuff here. Yep. Rich, rich resources. Now, what you do with that and how you turn that into great learning for students, man, that's got to be. That's the art of a good teacher, I guess. Yeah, you know, teachers do that. But, but, yeah. but there's massive histories there. There's massive things you can tap into. Mean. Mm. Mean. Mm. All right, bro. Great chat, as always. Um, hey, if you've listened out there, I hope you've enjoyed this one. I feel we've gone a bit deeper than most. Um, we've gone a bit wayward at times, but yeah, well, we've tried to we maintain do. the integrity of the podcast. Oh, look, I think any opportunity to get some good burger chat is an opportunity not wasted. But I think, too, it's about, um, it's possibly, though, because we've talked about a film as opposed to novels. And um, by default, a film opens up a whole lot of other questions mm -hmm. that probably a novel doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked about... Ample opportunity in a novel to tie things together. Yeah, that's right. It's probably a lot tighter by default. Yeah. I talked a lot here about Parihaka and Taranaki, mm. and that's based on... A comment from one of the characters and a, a, a shot of someone choosing a book off a library shelf yeah. so it opened up a whole thing there you know so hey listeners out there hope you got something from here and um, hey we did have a couple of glitches there so when you listen to this but you might get a little a couple of things where it feels like you missed something is this for credits uh, November edition signing out Kia Luke always a pleasure final thoughts Luke I think uh hold up for me, I'm just a good person. Good person to have a yarn with. Um, yeah, cheers. What do you think famous? Yes. 
Good guy. Hey, like, he's a renowned director. Uh, zero uh, ego, so humble. Um, some great concepts, loves a laugh, and I just thrive on having the opportunity to talk to people like that. It's awesome. Yeah, and for me, I know we didn't talk too much about um, Goldbird, but that's what we, mm-hmm. you'd watch that, and we were going to bring that into a conversation mm-hmm. a lot. But I do think it highlights his style he's got there, yeah. where it's a really subdued, almost... Um, Unspoken story. Yeah, time. yeah, that's right. It's, it's really low-key, mm-hmm. which is a nice change from a lot of loud... And there's nothing wrong, man. I love loud car crashes. Car crashes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, stunt work, love that. Um, but but it's a real different style there, yeah, and a real different style of storytelling. And so, just really nice to appreciate that and what it can bring. Mm. Really keen to probably have a follow up chat and see how it goes with students. Yes, because uh, here we are, um, young people ourselves. <laughs> but but really want to see what young people think of it and yeah. maybe how they engage with it and if it hits with them or not. Film's done pretty well, so it's um Hey I tell you what, slim. if we if we develop something that's worthwhile following up, we'll we'll share it amongst the NZ ATE community. NZ, NZ. Yep. I mean, I'll do what.